1: Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at ShortstopBall. Check out my bio there to see everywhere. I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at TomahawkTake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast whenever, wherever you listen to your podcast. And thanks for making Locked On Braves your first listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. This is our NL East crossover edition episode hosted by Ryan, who is the host of Locked On Mets. We got all the hosts on there, so make sure you give them a follow as well. You will get to know everything that you could possibly need to know about the NL East heading into the 2022 season. So very excited to share this crossover episode with you. It should be a lot of fun. So without further ado, here it is. We got the
0: big NLEs crossover today. All of the hosts are here, but at the moment as we begin recording, one host is absent, and that is Josh Neighbors, host of Locked On Nationals which makes sense because these are the four teams that are going to contend this year, right? We got all me, right. Ryan Fickelstein, host of Locked On Mets, uh, Jake Mastrioni, Mastriani.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: I got it. All right, Locked On Braves. We got uh, Connor Thomas locked on Phillies, and doing? Peter Pratt locked on Marlins all here today to talk about what I think is the most exciting division in the National League. And these were some of the most aggressive teams in the offseason. And let's start there. Do any of you think your team had a better offseason than the New York Mets?
3: I don't know how you can no. say it. Like, no. <laughs>
2: no yeah. We're All right. close. We're, we're pushing you a little bit, but uh, you can't beat Scherzer.
1: I mean, That's the Braves right. offseason was great for what it needed to be, but in terms of improving a team from year to year, yeah, I mean, I definitely think the Mets made the most improvements.
0: Yeah, well, you know, the Mets were, were aggressive. Steve Cohn was dropping money all over the place. They've added Starling Marte, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar was the first wave of free agency. Then they added Max Scherzer, the big ticket item. And then on the other side of the lockout, they added Chris Bassett, giving them a one-two-three punch of Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, and Chris Bassett. Uh, how do you feel? Uh, Connor, I'll go to you. You got that new lineup with Schwarber and Castellanos you feel good about a three-game series, though, when it's uh, Scherzer, DeGrom, and Bassett on the bump?
2: I don't know how you can, and it sucks because I really like the Phillies rotation this year. And I'm looking at it like, okay, Scherzer, DeGrom, really good, but maybe DeGrom will miss some time. Scherzer's getting older. I could talk myself into the Phillies being potentially the top rotation. And then you go get Bassett and everything goes out the window. So, yeah, you got to get a strong lineup to contend in this division facing those guys. But a three-game set, no, I don't love our chances at all, even with the new lineup.
0: Yeah, and I look at uh, you know that is the strength of this Mets team. Uh, they're trying to keep up with the Braves, and the, and the Phillies are also factoring. The Marlins might have. Oh, hold up, Josh is here. He sent in the chat. We are finally joined by host of Locked On Nationals. I've Josh been here, Neighbors. dog.
4: I've been here.
0: But we were we were in it. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes you forget about the Nationals
2: in the NLE. So I think just, you gotta look oh, down oh, a couple oh, places in the standings to see him. Yeah. All
4: right. Just the slander comes already into this one. I came in and I heard the Phillies might have the ro- best rotation. And I- no, no, no. Moves, the Marlins, the Marlins,
0: I think, might have the oh, best okay. rotation. But we, we'll get to that as we go through uh, talking about each of these teams' chances. I want to stay on the offseason real quick and move over to the Braves. They didn't have to do much. They're the reigning champs. Uh, what did you like about their moves, Jake, uh, getting you guys ready for this season? You, you, you switch out Freeman and Olson. Uh, Pretty much a a clean swap there. They get Kenley Jansen to make this bullpen pretty dominant, arguably the best bullpen in baseball. What do you think about what they did?
1: Yeah, you talk about, you know, obviously you couldn't have picked a better replacement for Freddie Freeman than Matt Olson. So obviously that's going to be a big move and he's from Atlanta. I think that's going to be, a great spot for him. But, yeah, you mentioned the Kenley Jansen one. That was a move I thought the Braves were done and then out of nowhere signed Jansen for one year, $16 million, to what was already a strong bullpen that had signed Colin McHugh already this offseason. So now that bullpen's six or seven deep right there, I think that's going to play a huge factor in this season for the Braves, especially early in the year when starters may be limited still. Uh, I think having that you know deep veteran bullpen is going to be a huge advantage for them. You know, they also get Marcel Ozuna back. They get Ronald Acuna back, who weren't part of that World Series run last year. Um, Possibly they get Mike Soroka back later in the season as well. Um, They bring back Eddie Rosario. So, I mean, they they made a lot of really good moves. I'm really happy with what Alex Anthopoulos did this offseason. I mean, it was a difficult decision to not bring back Freddie Freeman. I get that, but... He moved on, he handled it well, and he has put this team in position to to win another division, another World Series.
0: Yeah, no, he did. I, I look at this division, and as we'll get into it, I think Mets and Braves stand out. But the Phillies, I think our team that has this puncher's chance, they did address a bullpen. Uh, I don't know how I much they you, tried to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get familiar, you get Brad Hand, you get K'nabel. Uh, Do you think the Phillies did enough? I, I think when I look at this Phillies team, it just comes down to, can they beat you 12 to
2: 11? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because, like, Brad Hand had an all-right part of a year last year. Juris Familia, uh, you know him from New York. He's yeah. like, He has his moments, but ultimately he can be just like a, a fire can of just who knows what's going to happen when he gets out there. And they already had that with Jose Alvarado in the bullpen. He's just going to throw hard and hope he doesn't hit somebody in the head. I mean – yeah, ultimately this team showed you what they're gonna do. No defense, all offense. I love it for the excitement factor. Yeah. It's gonna be fun to watch, but can they compete? Yeah, it's gonna depend how hot this offense can stay throughout the entirety of the year.
0: Yeah, I think the opposite of them is the Marlins. So, Peter, I want to go to you. Uh, you know, I look at the Marlins. I talked about them on my show today where I said if they had simply extended Starling Marte instead of signing Avisel Garcia, I love this team. They just lack a center fielder right now, but that young pitching is really good. And they did add a few bats that will certainly help their lineup this season.
3: Definitely did. You, you bang on on Marte. The, the guy, the solution was already in in the building. And I, listen, I, I love the trade. They made the trade. And I love the trade for Lazardo that they made. It was, a, it was a great trade. And I think it'll, it'll be great for the rotation this year. But problem is going into the offseason, massive hole in center field. They haven't addressed it. They tried to go and get Marte. They were in the bidding for him, Clearly. Uh, the Mets were able to up the Marlins uh, financially, so we got a big, big problem in center field. We got a big, big problem with the leverage pen as well, haven't addressed either. Hey, we got some, you know, some power bats. Um, the Stallings trade I really liked. So the Marlins pre-lockout did a lot of business really quickly. Stallings, Wendell, Avi Garcia, bang, 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 plus a Sandy Alcantara extension. Marlins Twitter was going crazy. Everyone was loving the moves, thinking great out out of the lockout. What are they going to do? Are they going to go and get Brian Reynolds? Are they going to go and get Cedric Mullins? What are they going to do for centre field? Ah, They've done nothing, and so all of a sudden, we're in a bad spot, centre field. Brian Anderson was taking reps out there yesterday. Not a good spot, so we're starting to waver a little bit now. We thought there was going to be more action. Uh, not so much on the free agents don't have the, the financial power, but we're expecting some trades. They haven't happened yet, but there's still time. Loriano's still out there for the A's, I think, you know, that you could go and get. Clearly, he's suspended, but if the Marlins don't start hot in this division, the season will be over probably by the end of May, I think.
0: That's the interesting thing is I could see the Marlins be in a position where that that rotation carries them in the first half and then maybe that big trade could come at the deadline. Uh, Josh, we're going to get you in the conversation finally. Uh, you think that uh, Nelson Cruz puts them over the
4: top and suddenly the Nationals are in the mix here? Well, I just watched the Nationals lose 29-8 to 8 in a spring training <laughs> game. So I think they're on the verge of something special here. Uh, yeah. This Nelson Cruz is the only good thing that happened. They're not trying to win. Um, I think Nelson Cruz is somebody that makes a lineup fun, but a fun lineup, as the Phillies know, as last year's Nats know, it doesn't do enough for you. So, uh, they're just going to see what they have this year. That's that's the big thing. Cesar Hernandez is somebody they brought in that they hope he plays well, so you can possibly trade him. Right? They hope Alcides Escobar plays well, so you could trade him. Nelson Cruz, if he hits well, could be a really good trade piece. So. Anybody you bring in, Steve Seashack, guys like that, can end up being trade pieces. It's all about getting assets at this point.
0: It absolutely is. So I, I think the Nationals are in rebuild mode, and uh, I want to tell you about our next pop, our next partner who'll help rebuild your health. Of course, I'm talking about Athletic Greens. I use this literally every day. Now, the single best thing you could do for your body in under sixty seconds: one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens in a cold glass of water in the morning. You're going to absorb seventy five high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and aging. I don't know everything is doing. I just know I feel great after I drink my Athletic Greens. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it's recommended by professional athletes. costs less than $3 a day, making it cheaper than that cold brew habit. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Getting back to the NL East here, boys, what do we think? Is it Mets, Braves, Phillies? marlins nationals is that the clear rankings anyone got um a, a gripe with that it, should the marlins be over the phillies what are we thinking here whoa
2: <laughs>
0: just asking you know pitching over hitting sometimes pitching can can uh win out over a full season i think that's an interesting place to start uh you know peter do you look at this marlins team as someone that can you know really contend in this division contend for a wild card or are you just hoping for a season where you know, they get close to five hundred, and they build towards something in twenty twenty
3: three. The pitching's sexy. We know that absolutely. The problem we had, the pitching was great last year too. Problem was, the health was the problem. Too many, too many starters hurt all at the same time, and that just completely derailed us. There was just no depth, and that was included the the offense too. It was even more acute on the offense side too, where we just didn't have any depth. So. If the Marlins stay healthy, and I think we probably all collectively say the same thing, if we can stay healthy, we're looking nice. The offense, I think, has been upgraded. The DH helps the Marlins. It probably helps everyone, but it does help our lineup. We showed that in 2020 when we had the DH. We performed well. The offense looked better. It balanced us. Garrett Cooper finds his little spot there. Um, real under the radar, I think. you know, Nice nice kind of uh, breakout type of, type of guy, Garrett Cooper. So... I love the pitching. Clearly, that's Sandy, Pablo, Trevor. Then you're into Mix and Match, Lozado, Edward Cabrera, maybe Max Miley in the year. There's just so many arms for the Marlins. That's the thing. Problem is still in the bullpen. It is really shaky back there still. So I, I have no confidence right now. But going into 2020, I had no confidence either. You had a Brad Boxberger, Brandon Kinsler, um, anyone, basically. They had so many guys with COVID, and they found a way to get it done. And that's the thing. You can kind of piece a bullpen together without throwing tons of money at it. I think that's what the Marlins are going to do. But I, I think we're battling with the Phillies probably for third spot is, is my gut feel. I think there's two clear favourites for this division. I think there's kind of the jostling in the middle. Can the Phillies' bullpen hold out? I'm not convinced yeah, about that either. That's
2: the thing. You can say you can kind of throw money and put up a serviceable bullpen. Well, the Phillies can't. They've been terrible the past couple of years. <laughs> no. And I don't know what it is. Like, Joe Girardi's tried everybody. He's calling guys up. He's sending guys down. Nobody works. Guys that worked other places don't work here. So that's going to be part of it. Also, the rotation. Like, there's high upside with this Phillies' rotation for me. Like, Rager Suarez was sub-1-5 for the year last year for ERA. Aaron Nola was a Cy Young candidate in 2018, but he fell apart. So is he going to bounce back? Zach Wheeler already is having some issues. He had the flu, so he's a little bit behind schedule. Opening day starter is not in the option for him. So will he be able to repeat his Cy Young runner up? There's upside. And having like Eflin, Kyle Gibson as guys near the back end of that rotation, you could certainly do worse. But they've got to all basically be above their – average performance in, in order to carry this bolt down because we know once he gets to the sixth inning against the Phillies, game on for the other team.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing that uh, worries me looking at this Phillies team is you have, as you mentioned, Eflin, Gibson, even Wheeler to a certain extent, pitching to contact and, mm-hmm. and that no defense, defense. Yeah, okay. no defense. Uh, I, I actually had this, this hot take, which will go up on, I guess, uh, last Thursdays as you're listening to this episode of Locked on Mets, where we were going through the betting odds. And I said, you know, for me, I think the Phillies are a better bet to win the world series than win the NL East. And the reason why I say that is because I think over a full 162 game season, those warts are going to show up and they're not going to be able to keep up with the Mets and the Braves in this division. But let's just say the Phillies get into a wild card situation there and then lock up one of those last spots. They got Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper, Hoskins to a certain extent, all these guys that can hit six home runs in five games and win a series. So uh, that's why I call them the ultimate puncher's chance team in this in this division.
2: Yeah, me. and you saw with Atlanta last year. Like all due respect to the World Series defending champions, but your regular season wasn't all that special. Like you made it in, <laughs> but you had injuries you were dealing with and everything down there in Atlanta. And then they just get hot at the right time and run through everybody. I mean, the Phillies have that type of peak potential, but the sustainability of it especially when you have like questionable parts of the rotation a very very unstable bullpen like they could get hot at the right time but over 162 it's going to be tough to compete with the braves and the mets
0: i think so as well and that gets us to uh that big argument mets or braves uh you know i'd love to say the mets should be the clear-cut favorites but you know i've been watching this division my whole life and it's the Braves' division they win it almost every single year so, uh, you know, Jake, what do you think here going into this season? How concerned are you with what the Mets did um, and, and them really contending this season?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm concerned. I mean, they made smart moves, I thought. I, I love the Mark Cannon move, the Starling Marte move. You know, those are, are good players. Eduardo Escobar, I mean, those are solid, you know, role players. They're not superstars, but they're they're really good players. And, you know, I think they did a good job of that. Obviously, DeGrom and Scherzer, you know, if they stay healthy all year, which, you know, could be a big if, that's going to be, you know, a, a dominant top of the rotation. Now, maybe I'm uh, a little overconfident, but I think Charlie Morton and Max Fried can go up against those two. Um, you know, clearly they're not exactly on their level, but any given day, either one of those guys, I believe, can outduel DeGrom or Scherzer and win a game, especially with the bullpen that the Braves have to back them up. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm confident, obviously, coming off a World Series champion. I mean, like I said earlier, Alex Antobos has put a team together on paper that I believe can beat any team in this league on, on any given day. Um, so that's all you can ask for as a fan going into a season. As far as the division, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's between the, the Mets and the Braves. You know, while I love the Mets offseason, it's not like I think they did enough to just completely overwhelm the Braves. You know, if anything – on paper, I think it's it's pretty even. I think, like I said earlier, I think one thing that might separate the Braves is that bullpen. Uh, but, yeah, they're both two very good teams. I think, I think it's Mets, Braves. I think it's a little bit of a gap. And then I think it's the Phillies, the Marlins, and then no offense to Josh. I think there's a, another gap after that. And then probably uh, the Nationals. I'll say my one fear in this division is I think they could have three playoff teams, but I'm afraid – with the Phillies and Marlins being one of those th- those third teams to get in i'm afraid this division is going to beat up on each other so much that it's going to keep the Phillies or Marlins or if the Braves or, or Mets fall back enough from getting in just because they're going to beat up on each other so much and i i worry that whoever wins this division is going to get that third seed and have to play in that wild card series even though they may be one of the best teams in the national league again just because the division will be so so difficult to go through. So that's one of my worries just overall for the division is that they could beat up on each other enough that it's going to hurt them come playoff time in terms of how many NLEs teams get in and whether or not they get one of those top two spots.
0: And one of these teams is going to play the Nationals 19 times and the Nationals are going to have a winning record against one of them. It's not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Which team is Juan Soto going to destroy the most this season? Uh, is, is the question here. Uh, you know, I, I think well, one thing to worry, to wonder about with the Nationals is how good or how, how bad can, can Juan Soto overcome his MVP? Like if, if the Nationals win 60 games, can Juan Soto still be an MVP? No. So they got to win like 70? Uh, where's the cutoff point?
4: Uh, what's Trout's <laughs> lowest win total number and still winning it? That'd be, that's probably a good barometer for that's you. A, that's a good, good
0: question. There, I'm yeah, I think, so sure. I, I feel like they're always like in the, the 70s. Because people like, people,
4: I mean, I thought he should have gotten it last year, but but half the people I talked to on our podcasts were like, "Yeah, those numbers don't mean anything, though." It's like, uh, I mean, what's he supposed to do? All he can do is play the games. So he almost got yeah. on
0: base at like a 500 clip. Like the, every- the
4: Barry Bonds, uh, nobody mentions that name. Is the only time I've heard that name mentioned this is when you talk about Soto's second half. So it's there ridiculous,
0: you know. ridiculous. Well. I want to switch gears and look towards the future a little bit, but before we do that, I want to tell you all about the best tasting protein bar ever, which of course is Built Bar. Built bars come low in calories, low in sugar, low in fat, but they're high in protein and high in fiber, and they all come covered in 100% real chocolate. They also have the new Built Bar Puffs, the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar; they're a treat that also comes covered in that 100% real chocolate with incredible flavors like the yummy cinnamon churro, the coconut marshmallow. Banana cream pie, also good. Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so make sure you check out their site often to see what's new at Built.com. And when you're there, use our promo code LOCK15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So looking towards the future of the NL East, uh, what farm system stands out the most? The Marlins have been building for a while. The Nationals are beginning to build. The Braves seem to always be able to replenish their MLB roster with prospects. And I feel like the Mets and the Phillies are always just trying to win and not quite getting there. And so those farm systems generally sit somewhere in the middle of the pack. Uh, we'll start with Peter. Uh, which prospects are you excited to see come up this season and make an impact on the big league roster?
3: Now, this is a good Good topic for me to get into. So I'm happy we're into this one <laughs> for sure. The Marlin system at the top end now is looking real, real nice. No doubt about it. And that question is so hard to answer because, to be honest with you, there's so many. And that's excluding a Sixto Sanchez that I'm not convinced he's going to pitch at all in, in 2022. But you've got so many guys there. Edward Cabrera will definitely be um, up with a big club. But the real buzz in spring has been around Max Meyer. And even younger than that, Uri Perez. Uri Perez is absolutely ascending um, through everyone's prospect lists. He's a 19 year old lanky lefty. And he, it wouldn't shock me if Uri Perez pitches at the major league level this year. It wouldn't shock me at all as maybe the youngest uh, Marlins pitcher ever. He's touted, maybe even projected above what Jose Fernandez was. So, like, that is the kind of buzz that's around that guy. Um, Max Meyer as well the question you've got to ask and we're asking as Marlins fans is how many of these guys are still in the system once their business is done because clearly we have holes the feeling is we want to contend and we're looking for young controllable dudes like a Brian Reynolds that is going to cost a ton to acquire so that's the question is what does the farm system look like but right now as it sits there's a lot of studs knocking around I love Max Meyer and I love Uri Perez too.
0: And there's that surplus of pitching. So the question is, is there any uh, position player prospect that, that's uh, potentially going to come up? Or is that why they need to maybe trade some of that surplus to, to acquire a position player?
3: I think so. It's really heavy on pitching, I think, in terms of the, the best hitting prospect or position player, Khalil Watson, but he's very young still, but looks a real nice prospect for sure. J.J. Bleday, obviously, big name, disappointed in 21, but is on the cusp, I guess. So I guess between like a, a Bleday... Uh, you've got, you know, and Khalil Watson. that's definitely some way off. So that's the problem. It's so pitching heavy, both at the major league level plus in the farm. It's it's a no brainer for the fish to make you know make some moves here, move some arms that are you know everyone needs arms and and high end arms. So we won't struggle for trade partners, but it's trying to find the right trade for the right dudes to have the control. That's the thing for the fish. They don't want to be paying the money, so they want the controllable arbitration
0: guys uh pre-arb even better but they're expensive too right that's for sure and josh i'll go to you <laughs> next um which prospects do you see uh maybe making their way up to help the nationals this season is there anyone that jumps out i know they got some guys in the max scherzer trey turner trade they're going to have big roles this season that i guess uh, maybe played a little bit last year as well
4: yep it's going to be josiah gray and kbert ruiz you'll see josiah gray every fifth day He'll be probably their number two starter start off the year with no Steven Strasburg, Caper Ruiz catching. And then a couple guys that were kind of unexpected to do well. The, they got Riley Adams and the Brad hand trade. Uh, and then the Cardinals inexplicably gave up a player for John Lester. Um, and that was Lane Thomas actually did pretty well last year. And then, you know, the, the guy everybody's talking about gave up 10 runs today. Uh, that'd be Cade Cavalli. Uh, just letting them die out wait, there, I guess. Wait, was-
0: uh, wait. So you're you're telling me they had two pitchers that gave up 10 runs in the same game? Cause Dude, yeah, San- yeah. No, Sanchez Sanchez gave it- gave up 10,
4: who, you know, figures to be part of the rotation, excited for that this year. And Katie Qualley, who they <laughs> hope to bring up later in the year. It's gonna be a good year. It's gonna be a good year.
0: <laughs> that, that might be some type of a record. Uh, what we got, Connor? Who, who's going to come up for the Phillies? I'm looking at center field. Is there some answer that can get a Dubo Herrera out of center field for them this season?
2: Well, right now it's his oblique strain that's probably got him out for the first couple weeks of the season. But uh, as far as when oh, we lost Josh, the long, or the Nationals <laughs> are already out. But they lasted longer than they probably will. The season come. is it bad? We keep taking cheap shots at them. We're no, no. <laughs> they but, did uh, just and, win
1: like two years ago. So I mean, yeah, it's
2: crazy, well. right? Yeah, yeah. take that. We haven't missed the playoffs, or we haven't made the playoffs in ten years. So I'll take that <laughs> anyway. Uh, center field, Matt Virling's probably the guy. Joe Girardi says he has the fast track to start on opening day with the Herrera injury, uh, and he's a nice young player. Got a lot of power from the right side. Got the opportunity to be a plus bat if he figures out his swing path. So. He's going to be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark, but to see how consistently he hits at the major league level, we're not going to know. He got some time last year with some COVID stuff going on, some late injuries, but haven't really seen a lot of him. So he's a good option at center field to at least check it out. Mickey Moniak is always going to be hanging around a former number one overall pick, but I don't buy all that much into him. He's probably going to be just a have him on the roster to be a backup option until o'double's back and figure that out. My guy I'm really looking at is Bryson Stott who lately he's been in the lineup at third base down in Clearwater the past two games. Talks are he might be able to take over that spot by opening day and start over Alec Boehm. I think they'll actually wait a little bit longer to bring him up, but he's uh, I've already got money on him to be NL Rookie of the Year and some solid odds there. That's the biggest guy that I'm looking at to come up and make an impact.
0: And they just can't move Didi off short? (laughs)
2: I mean, here's the thing. Didi was dealing with an elbow issue basically from opening day last year, and okay. you already owe him a significant amount of money. Joe Girardi loves him from his time in New York, so it, it kind of feels like he's stuck there until someone takes the position away from him. Rather, uh, like Alec Boehm is basically giving the position up by being terrible defensively and not hitting all that well. So, yeah, Didi can move, but right now it seems like the spot to break through is at third.
0: I just think it's a little ironic that the guy who uh, replaced Derek Jeter, who probably should have been moved off a shortstop, uh, is now in that same boat because he is, in my opinion, maybe one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball. But
2: Yeah, but that's every position for the Phillies. We're good with that. (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
0: That's true. On the Phillies, he might be the best defender they got outside JT Real Muto. Looking at my Mets when it comes to prospects this season, I think this is a veteran roster, so you're not going to see a lot of them. Uh, Mark Vientos has some potential to be a really good DH. Uh, But I think it would take an injury to bring him up, even though he is MLB ready on the pitching side. You really don't have much coming up. So this is a veteran Mets team that I I would not expect too much help from the farm other than like Tyler McGill, who debuted last year, being maybe one of the younger pitchers that could have a big role Uh, going over to the Braves. Now, is there any prospects that are on the rise that will make a big impact for them this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, all the Braves' good prospects are now with the team or either they were traded in the Matt Olson deal. I mean, uh, they did what they accomplished to do when they started to rebuild, you know, in 16, 17. Guys like Ronald Kuna Jr., Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Max Fried, Ian Anderson, you know, all were prospects the Braves, you know, brought in during that time that helped them win a World Series. And so now the farm system is lacking. And definitely after they traded four really good prospects for – Matt Olson, you know, a guy in Shea Langoliers that I think could be a future catcher. Christian Pache, who I thought could have started the year in center field for the Braves, uh, especially without Ronald Acuna Jr. So, uh, yeah, the farm system's not looking great, but there are still some names out there um, that I think could make an impact this year and that are coming up, maybe more so in uh, the next next year or years to come. But Drew Waters is a name that, you know, was on a lot of top 100 lists. He struggled at the AAA level. But I talk about a need in center field where Adam Duvall is likely going to be starting there for the Braves this year. And, you know, they could use an an upgrade there. As great as Adam Duvall is as a defender, he's a better defender in a corner spot. And I really don't think they want to put Ronald Acuna Jr. there after having the ACL injury. So Drew Waters is somebody, you know, he's still just 22 years old. He's really young. If he can figure it out, you know, and become that player that a lot of people thought he could be, um he's somebody we could see you know a couple months even uh into the season Spencer Strider a young pitcher that went uh through five levels last year and and actually debuted for the Braves throws 100 miles per hour if they put him in the bullpen I think he'd be a dominant reliever but he still has upside as a starter and they're going to continue to stretch him out to do so there's talks maybe if the Raves go to a six-man rotation that they could start the year with him as a six starter. I think it's best for him to go back to AAA and continue to work on his secondary pitches and his command because I think he could be a top-of-the-rotation starter if he figures all of that out. So those are you know a couple guys that I think could have an impact this year. A couple other prospects that maybe for next year or maybe the year after, Michael Harris uh, is the top prospect in the system. I mean, this guy, you watch him and you just think you know he's got that it factor about him. Um, He's going to start the year in double A. If he has a big season, I can see him joining the Braves next season in the outfield, perhaps taking over that center field job. And then a name that is starting to get a lot of buzz is Vaughn Grissom, uh, shortstop, young shortstop finished the year at high last year, just, you know, really great bat to ball uh, contact skills, got some power coming as well. If he could stick at shortstop, he could be the replacement for Dansby Swanson. Like I said, next year or the year after. So, you know, those are two guys, Harris and Grissom, that are, are really starting to make a lot of noise, get a lot of buzz as far as Braves prospects go. That I'm excited to see what happens with them in 2022.
0: A lot to look forward to for sure. And speaking of looking forward, if you want to play some future bets on the upcoming season, Bet Online has you covered whether it is the home run leader, Cy Young leader, MVP, from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. Bet Online is the number one spot. For all of your sports betting needs and info, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just baseball that I got you covered. For everything you're looking for when it comes to your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet online where the game starts. And with that, I'm actually going to pull up here. I got the odds for the over under for the wins on all these teams here. So let's go through that real quick. Uh, We got Mets and Braves over under set at 90 and a half. What are we taking boys? The over, the under on those two teams at 90 and a half. We'll start with you, Jake.
1: Yeah, I would have to say the over probably for both of them, unless the division is just that competitive. I mean typically it's going to take you know i know the braves won the division last year with 88 wins um i just don't see that happening again i've got the mets and the braves finishing somewhere between 92 and 94 wins if they finish with less than that i think something's gone completely wrong because like i said even though the braves won the the division 88 wins last year things went terribly wrong for them for the first three plus months of that season and luckily the rest of the division just never stepped up and, and left the door open so again I don't see that happening again I think the Mets are are too good too deep this year Uh, I think the Phillies Marlins uh, will you know will also push the envelope as well but I I take the over for the Mets and the Braves on that number
0: yeah you just bring it up it 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 frustrates me because I look back at last season and I still think that had the Mets just really grabbed hold of the vision and extended their lead by like 10 games the the Braves never would have tried to add and go for it at the deadline and they might not have won a World Series so it is uh a big regret as a Mets fan looking back at that year. Uh, Connor, we got the Phillies, 85 and a
2: half. I mean, 182 last year. I got to take the over on that. When you add guys, you don't really lose guys in the rotation. You have a little bit of progression from hopefully Ranger Suarez, Zach Eflin's a little bit better. And the bullpen, even though they're not great, seems like they got better. I mean, they better be over that committing this type of money to Nick Castellanos, Kyle in free agency, and returning the NL MVP and Bryce Harper. I mean, it's very possible they completely collapse because I've said a couple of times already, haven't made the playoffs in a decade. The second longest streak in baseball behind the Seattle Mariners. So they could collapse. It's a tough division, but you got to look at what they did this offseason and the power this lineup's going to bring and take the over on that one.
0: Boomer bust team. So it could go either way. We got the Marlins, 76 and a half. Over or under, Peter?
3: Oh, this is tricky. This is tricky. See the one difference. So last year, you know, they were hard sellers at the deadline. The way our kind of contract situation looks this year, I'm not convinced they'll be selling everyone like they were. Like you're trying to move a Marte and a Duvall, etc. Even if they're having a slower first half, there's still opportunity for them to maybe add and push in to try and get this maybe. Extra wildcard spot. So I'm going, I'm taking the over on the Marlins. I'm getting them at 500 ball actually this year.
1: So who's going to lose games in this division?
2: The
0: Nats. Here's not going. 20 games. Everyone's taking the over. So if everyone else hits the over, Josh, we got under 71 and a half of the Nationals and how far under so everyone else could hit their over? Well,
4: I, I want to go under here. I want to, to tell you all which one of your teams are going to hit the over. So one of the Braves is going to – Braves and Mets will hit the over. One will hit the under. Mm-hmm. Last year there were only two divisions that had the over. So let's let's be honest, guys. Not everybody can, – we can't all be winners and say kumbaya and hold hands and win 85 games. That's not how this is working. So one of you two is going to lose. Is going to have a disastrous season. Where probably one of you still makes the playoffs. The Phillies are going under. They always go under. They're, they're. (laughs) I mean, Zach Eflin getting better is like such a stretch. And then also also Ranger Suarez getting better. How good was he last year? There's no chance he can get any better. He's only coming back. So unless you win every game eleven to ten, which we all know is not possible, I'm going under there. I think I think Peter, what was it, 72? 70, 76 and a half. Okay, that's about right. Maybe slightly over. Nats will go under. Wait, How what's far Nats? Under? Sixty seventy one and a half. Oh, look at like sixty sixty nine, seventy. Actually, seven one and a half. Not that many games. They they could they could win like seventy two <laughs> games and probably hit that. So
0: we were talking earlier. There's going to be that that week and a half at some point where uh, where Nelson Cruz and Juan Soto win a bunch of games in a row. So.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I I think it's the right range. I'd say just under, just because they suck. And uh, also,
0: we're supposed to talk a little bit about uh, midseason. Who's got the best trade chips? The Nationals uh, have, if they decided to put them on the table, arguably the greatest trade chip of all time if they want to go uh, trade Juan Soto.
4: I don't envision that happening. That's not happening, is it? It, Negotiations have to go horribly wrong. The, The Nats would probably have to offer less money than they offered the first time. For Scott Boris to be like, trade him, do it now, trade him. This is not what works. They, so,
0: they still got what, like two years after this year?
4: Uh, he become, So this season and the next season, he becomes a free agent after the after wow, next wow. year.
0: I mean, they so, can still get a haul next offseason, but yeah, you, you got pretty much you know two or three more windows left to trade him. You definitely don't want to wait until the deadline. He's like too he's good trading. to
4: trade almost though. He is he, though. He, 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 you he's like have to good.
0: just give him all the money. That's, yeah. Give them the, the $500 million contract. They'll godfather them
4: eventually. That's what will happen. They'll godfather defer
0: them. $300 million of that $500 million contract. <laughs> and it's the Nets too, so it makes <laughs>
4: sense.
0: Uh, Where were we talking with the biggest trade ship the Marlins could possibly put out there this year? Hey, it wouldn't shock me totally if
3: the Marlins and the Braves end up hooking back up again and Soler goes back to the Braves. That would yeah. not shock me at all. I think the Braves would like that too. Obviously mm-hmm. that Duvall move last year really worked for those boys. So Soler is absolutely a guy that uh could be moved and could be a real enticing move. I, I don't think the way the kind of the rotation is, they wouldn't be needed to sell those guys like a Pablo Lopez or, you know, Sandy's obviously extended. So there's no need to move them on. It's probably going to be some of the outfield bats. Maybe, you know, Avi Avisel Garcia's got a good couple of years on that contract now. So Soler for me probably looks like the most obvious guy, maybe a Brian Anderson third base, perhaps. Probably those two um, are the most likely. I think.
0: Uh, we're talking about the Phillies here. Any any big trade chips? They got a lot of big contracts. I don't know about the the trade chips though.
2: Yeah, it's going to be tough. The only two guys that really kind of slot into that spot are Alec Boehm and Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola, there was a little bit of conversation last year, but the Phillies were enough in the mix that they didn't want to move on from one of their top arms. But he's been a disappointment since. Uh, being in the Cy Young conversation in 2018. And if the Phillies, seeing his contract coming up, uh, want to go ahead and dish him before they actually throw huge money at him, which he's going to want because his numbers are still – and he's still considered one of the top arms, even though the production hasn't quite been there. He could move. Alec Boehm, if he – makes some kind of waves at third base. I mean, he was an NL Rookie of the Year candidate just back in 2020. He could be an option to get moved as a young player that teams might see upside in, even though he hasn't shown it with the Phillies. And the only other guy is potentially Gene Segura, who only has one more year on his contract after this year. That would be like a complete implosion, like the Phillies are out of it by the trade deadline. They're sellers move on from Segura and try and get something for the farm system for a guy that's going to bat in the 280 to 300 range every year and play solid defense.
0: Yeah, is a really good player. that could definitely fetch something if the Philly season doesn't go how uh, they would like it to. With the Braves, they just made a huge trade. Uh, you see anything else coming on that front in the future at
1: the deadline there? Yeah, I like the, the Jorge Soler move uh, that you're talking about there. Even as soon as the signing happened with the Marlins, Braves fans immediately said, we'll just trade for him at the deadline because uh, I think the Braves really wanted him back. I think Soler really wanted to come back. It just didn't make sense with the roster that the Braves have right now. If they didn't have Ozuna, if they could somehow trade Ozuna and somebody take that contract, uh, then maybe. But as far as, you know, trades, I expect the Braves to be in it. I expect them not to be sellers. I think they could look to maybe trade for a center fielder at some point this season. I talked about with Drew Waters earlier, and perhaps, you know, he's not progressing, not proving that he's ready. They could trade him, um, potentially make an upgrade in center field. Um, That's one position or one area. That i think they could look to upgrade through trades you know starting pitching as well if, if some of the young starters in the back end don't pan out uh, they may look to make a move for a veteran starting pitcher to put in that rotation if by some chance the braves are sellers and things aren't working out look last year at the deadline i thought hey maybe they should trade charlie morton and try to just rebuild and um so if that happens Dansby Swanson could be a, a trade candidate. He's in the last year of his uh, de- arbitration. Same for Adam Duvall. So, I mean, they have a couple of pieces. They they could move, but let's hope it doesn't come to that.
0: I hope it does. I would love to see the Braves be sellers at the deadline. When it comes to the Mets, uh, you know, the, the names on the block all offseason have been uh, J.D. Davis, Dominic Smith, Jeff McNeil. I think Jeff McNeil is safe for this season, but I would definitely look to see J.D. Davis or Dominic Smith move if they can rebuild their value a little bit the Mets are going to have to address their bullpen probably midseason, so that'd be one type of a move I could see also this is a team that has been very aggressive so you look at prospects like Ronnie Mauricio uh Brett Beatty Mark Vientos all top prospect I could see a move Francisco Alvarez is untouchable the Mets top prospect and one of the best catching prospects in baseball but I would not be shocked if anybody else was on the table if this Mets team has a chance to win a World Series Nothing's going to stand in Steve Cohen's way of, you know, blowing things up a little bit to, to make that happen. So this will be a really exciting division to watch. We got four teams that are looking forward to their season and one team that has the best hitter in baseball, and uh, you know, may, maybe the the next Barry Bonds and Juan Soto. So there's a lot to watch with the analysts this year. You can cover, you can get coverage for every team in this division. Locked on Mets, locked on Braves, locked on Phillies, locked on Marlins, and locked on Nationals. Thank you for making this your first listen today. If you want to learn more about the rest of Major League Baseball, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan, but we call him Sully. He'll keep you updated on everything as we head into opening day that is going on around the league and file Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.